You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This is To Stir With Love, a criminal justice reform podcast. I think it's appropriate that uh, we wish our listeners a chaylich and happy Hanukkah. Uh, although, of course, people listen uh, all during the year. It is Hanukkah, and I'm here with someone who, uh, away, Rabbi Benjamin Scheiman, who is the executive director of In the Helps. Uh, but more, much more than that, in terms of his uh, groundbreaking work, in terms of visiting, ministering to uh, incarcerated persons, Jewish and non-Jewish, for over 40 years. Uh, I understand that uh, it's always a Mesiras Nefesh when we speak about Hanukkah, but I want to talk a little bit about your Mesiras Nefesh, and I want to I want to talk to you specifically about, uh, you could describe your efforts throughout the years to give to the Jewish inmates a sense of Hanukkah, and specifically to the mitzvahs of Hanukkah, the mitzvah specifically of Hatalokas Ner Hanukkah, and how you've been able to accomplish that, and what have been some... happens to be today um, is the day that the Alter Rebbe, we know he was freed in prison the first time, but he had a subsequent arrest with another a libel against him, and on the third day of Hanukkah, he was let out of prison. So this is a special day of Hanukkah is connected with Jews in prison, getting out of prison, and uh, I, I, the, the truth of the matter is that since uh, 40 years ago, there's been a lot of uh, ground that has been gained as far as Hanukkah inside correctional facilities. Uh, for instance, the federal system uh, it's almost uh, throughout the country, all the federal prisons pretty much have their um, documents and their directives from the, uh, you know, all the way from high up that they have to allow Hanukkah with candles. Uh, there is one place which I visit now. It's an administrative uh, federal prison, which means it's, the worst, worst, worst people um, are housed over there, and they're housed in a special unit. It's total solitary confinement. And there, unfortunately, I was sitting last month with the chaplain. There, they're not going to be doing Hanukkah with candles. Um, I, I, I didn't argue with him. I come in as a contractor. I send my um, comments over to uh, the Aleph Institute and let them... Uh, you know, advocate for those inmates. But I, I was just listening. He said, listen, the people are saying that we have to do it. They don't understand what type of place we have over here. And uh, I explained to him that in the state system, we also had in Illinois at a prison like that. And we still managed to go in. What we did is we, uh, we had all the Jewish men stay in their cells in solitary. And myself or another staff member would have a menorah out on the range where everybody could see it. I asked the rub if it was, you know, under these conditions, the rub said that if they could see the flame, they can make the brachas, even if they don't personally light it, but at least they're able to see the flame there, uh, that that under those conditions, it would be okay for them. So that's what we did in this, in this place. And there was a chaplain that would go in every night 
stand out on the range, light the menorah. All the guys that were Jewish were able to see it. And so I told them there is there was a way to accommodate it. But in this federal prison, they were only giving, uh, you know, the story of Hanukkah. They weren't giving them anything, any menorahs or any candles, unfortunately. And the reason is, let's just state the obvious. They are worried about any sort of, they are worried about any sort of uh, dangerous item. And they see, of course, an open flame as something that could be used as a weapon, something that could be used to endanger other, other uh, inmates. What is the reason why there's a pushback against allowing a, uh, a inmate to actually have the flame inside of his confined space, correct? That's what they're worried about. Well, well it's very interesting. There, there was uh, this problem uh, actually occurred when the smoking ban went in effect in most prisons. There was a time when men were able to have matches and have cigarettes and there were open flames all over the institution. But once the institutions, um, they um, said no more smoking, then they also banned any, any matches. So you can't have, so it's, it's, it's not just a security issue. It's, it's an issue that there are no matches. There are no cigarettes or none of these things are inside the prison at all. So to even bring the match in for a supervised flame, not an unsupervised flame that's being watched. Uh, it also becomes a whole issue that uh, and all, they, either there has to be a memo that somebody's allowed to bring in a lighter into the prison, or uh, they have a electric lighter in the um, armory. It's like one of the tools, and somebody checks it out and checks it back in. So that becomes the issue is that, that uh, they don't have any fire a whole year inside the prison. So for eight days to manage those logistics. Um, are an issue. But let, me, uh, let, let me ask you something. I, you know, we, I obviously uh, grew up, if they could, why did they ban smoking? Was that also a security issue? I mean, and first, let me ask a second question. Now that we're talking about it, the people who are uh, smokers, they must go through a pretty rough uh, cold turkey, as it was called, to try to acclimate the prison if they can't smoke anymore. Like, so. Well, in the state of Illinois, uh, it was interesting. The state put the ban on it was when smoking the state of Illinois, the government made a no smoking in any government building ban. It wasn't just the prison. It was the state itself decided uh, it was when there was a big, you know, uproar against this too much smoking. And uh, there were laws made, uh, you know, you, you at one time people could go on the airplane and smoke. And, you know, have part of it, a smoking area, a non-smoking area. Um, you, you know, then there was all this pushback against the tobacco, against cigarettes. Uh, so the state of Illinois, they banned. But so there were men in Cook County Jail um, that Cook County Jail instituted um, a smoking ban in the county before the state did. So there was a time in Cook County where men were rushing to get it, to get their um um, trial finished or cop a plea so they could get down state and smoke. <laughs> they had to stop smoking in Cook County. They couldn't take it, and they knew if they get sentenced and go to the state prison, ah, they'll be able to smoke it. So what? So what does happen to? Obviously, you know the the campaign to blot out cigarettes has only been partially successful. So many young people uh, still grow up smoking. It's still considered quote unquote cool. If some of these people do get uh, imprisoned. 
What happens to their smoking habit? How do they, I'm sure, as I said, cold turkey is a serious thing. When, when you become addicted to something, you can't do it. So what happens there? Is that another? It, it, it is cold turkey. That's what it is. They uh, cannot it. And well, you know, uh, uh, it, nicotine should be the worst drug that guys in prison are addicted to. <laughs> and they have I, to call cold turkey with all their other drug habits as well. Uh, so, so for years, going the Indian to the same Indian, when there was no smoking ban in 1980 or so, when you started uh, going into prisons, was there a, was it a, was there an issue with lighting Nero's Hanukkah there when you started? It was, it was actually easier. It actually was easier when cigarettes were free and and and, and matches were freely. Um, floating around the, and, and being used by everybody in the institution, staff and um, uh, those that uh, individual, um, incarcerated individuals, at that time, there was less of an issue. Like, okay, so we're lighting some candles. It's Hanukkah. You light candles. Okay, there's a match. Who cares? There's a match. It's a supervised flame. So there really was less of a problem. It's when the smoking bans and match bans came in effect, where now it, it becomes a whole special... Um, uh, exception for the holiday of Hanukkah and in many prisons, the same thing is with Shabbos. There are places that allow men to light and the, the men and women to light Shabbos candles and they make exceptions where they're able to get a lighter. Uh, uh, but everything is supervised. Now the, the um, so like I said, the federal prisons, generally it's not an issue. The state prisons for years and years and years, it, it, it was the regular um, customary thing to do. Um, where I found a lot of fighting going on was every time I got a different Jew in a county jail, uh, and as we discussed in previous broadcasts, the, the um, listeners will remember uh, the difference between the jails and the prisons is jail, of you could be in today, out tomorrow, in for a week, in for a month. That It's very, the population is always changing. Uh, whereas in prison, once are in prison, the everything is more stable. Uh, they know who the people are. Uh, there's a known quantity. Every day in jail, it's it's different people all the time. And so the jails, uh, to do anything that's out of the ordinary becomes uh, a little more difficult. And uh, uh, aside from Cook County Jail, most of the Collar County jails in Chicago have really never had a Jew inside. So it, it, it's like very strange to them. Anytime something new comes up, kosher food or it's filling, I have to go down. I have, it's like, you have to start all over. They don't put anything in writing. And it's like a brand new fight every year. There's a new county jail that has a Jew and it's Hanukkah. And I remember one time, usually I need to go up to, to some of the Jewish um, uh, politicians or even to the governor's office. This year, we just had the governor's office got in, involved in a case yesterday. And usually when the politician comes down and speaks to whatever sheriff in that county, they allow us to come in. And when I went into this one county jail, I think it was McHenry County, the, the, um, the, the superintendent, the sheriff of the, of the jail came in and I brought him the Hanukkah candles. You know what he said? He said, Rabbi, those are birthday candles. Who, why did we even oppose it? They thought we're bringing these big, fat, giant candles, uh, you know, that that they probably have in their churches and things. And then I brought in the box of the Hanukkah candles. And he says, oh, those are just birthday candles. Who cares? 
That's no big deal. Sure, you can come and do that every night. They saw that it was not a threat. It's not going to start a fire. And it's a small little candle, which you stand, it burns out after a half hour and it's watched the whole time. But each year, it's a new, uh, it's a brand new fight. I just finished up today for the last 12 hours. I've been on the phone and off the phone. Um, a woman called me. There's unfortunately, there's a woman in Skokie, um, you know, an orthodox woman. Unfortunately, our son has some addiction issues. So he called up on um, after Shabbos. He said, Ma, they didn't call us. We didn't get any pass yet. And then Sunday night went by. Monday went by. We didn't get called out for Hanukkah. And I know that my son who goes to that facility, he dropped off candles. He dropped off all the supplies. So I called the chaplain and I said, what's going on? He said, well, um, I called all the men over and I gave them uh, the story and the instructions of Hanukkah and I gave them cardboard menorahs. And I, and, and I told them they could paste on a, a candle every day, a paper, a paper candle. And, and he said, none of the men wanted to do it. I couldn't figure out why. I said, why, why? He said, that's what the warden said that we have to do. I feel very bad about it. So I called the Aleph Institute, number one. Then I uh, called somebody we know in the uh, Governor Pritzker's office. And, um, and then I also called the chief chaplain of the state of Illinois. And between all these parties, uh, finally, the, the, the chief chaplain, they were sending emails back a whole day until last night. I called the chief chaplain this morning. He, he doesn't know why the warden, he said, finally, the warden said, chaplain, I didn't know that we were allowed to use candles. I didn't know it was an option. And this is after we sent out a memo. This is after it's approved by the director and everybody. And you know, you know what I told the um, the head chaplain? I said, you know, memos. And 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 I guess this warden just didn't get it. It must have just gone. She she didn't notice it. So I told this mother, I told her her son is like the mashkiach inside the prison. He's got to call her and he's got to let her know if he did or he did not light the candles. But you would think, and this was very unusual for the state of Illinois, but we, but last year with COVID, we did have issues because of the lockdowns and how do they do it? So we did need in some intervention from the governor's office also last year to get everything done. But when it, but almost every year there's a new county or there's a new venue or something new comes up where there's at least one place that's making trouble that doesn't want allow. Uh, Hanukkah. And I think it's like you said, the first reaction is fire, fire, it's a hazard. And uh, they want to make a whole big deal about it. And we just finished ex explaining to them it's supervised. Yeah, Somebody's well, the whole time. It's not unsupervised. You have nothing to worry about. It's a small flame. You can have an officer in the room. You can, and then the officers come in, they laugh at the little birthday candle size candles. Let's talk a little bit halacha. Uh, obviously, you know, we're as both as rabbis. We know, first of all, um, there is a discussion about people who have one place to sleep and another place to eat. What is the place where they should be lighting? And the halacha and shulchan aruch is that you, if you are in such a situation, that you light where you eat, especially bisman hazed in today's times. Uh, where people, uh, in, in terms of outside of Israel, where people light on the inside. So it would seem, Rabbi Shimon, that if the people are eating in a communal dining room, that that would be an easy place to light the neros there. 
uh, right? And, and obviously every communal dining facility probably has COs that, is, that are watching it. So it, I, I, I would say even on that score, a person, um, you're not giving them fire in their, in their, uh, in their cell. They're, 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 there's a, a place in the public eating area. So when you, when you are lighting, do you actually bring, you, talk, you talked before another halacha, uh, you talked about the fact people who didn't themselves, they would watch you or, your, or, your, or someone else from Hindu light and they would make the bracha, not the bracha of lighting the neiros, but they'd make the bracha because they saw the mitzvah being done. But where they're all in the dining room, what would be the problem? Why, why do they think that that is, is it because of the other uh, inmates? Uh, they, don't want it, they don't want it to interfere with the religious freedom of the other inmates to, to do lighting in the dining room during that time? Yeah, well, um, I, Rabbi Kolakowski is not with us right now. But I think he would verify that uh, this is at least in the federal, the county, and the state of Illinois. None of the delightings take place in the dining room. They're either in the chapel area, which is neither where the person sleeps or where the person eats. Usually the men get called to gather up in the chapel. All religious activities take place in the chapel. The only thing they might do in the uh, dining room is they might do Pesach because it's food. So they bring out the, but even that they try, they let the men go into a separate area because if it's in the dining room, it's in front of everybody. It's very uncomfortable. Okay. Uh, so, um, and, and actually for many years, actually before the uh, whole smoking thing took place and the whole ban went in, it used to be easier for the state to give each man a menorah in his room than to gather them together and to do it as a group. Logistically, the men are in different units and it's hard for the officers to escort them over, escort them back. Some places found it easier. Just give us the menorahs. We're going to let the men do it. And this way, we did, they're responsible when they light it and what time they light it and the right time. We start bringing them together. It's running a separate line and you have to tie up an officer. And then, you know, and it has to be at these specific times. It, 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 some of them, sometimes they found it more uh, difficult. But that was before the uh, candles and the, uh, the matches okay. and cigarettes. Well, but since well, that time, almost always they go to the chapel. Uh, I see. All right. The other halakhic issue is something that uh, became, uh, it reared its head uh, towards the end of the 19th, beginning of 20th century. And that was whether one could use electric lights uh, for Neiros Hanukkah, also Neiros Shabbos. Uh, we know, of course, that the most halakhic authorities feel that it doesn't, it's not really a flame because the filament although it becomes heated and it generates a, a, a illumination, it really isn't what Chazal mean by Nair. But I, I, again, if one would do research, well, I'm sure one could find, and I'm, I am aware of shitas that do allow it, um, the shitas of the Achiezer and others that do allow that to represent a Nair. When you get the pushback, Rabbi, why can't you at least look? Okay, I don't want to fight over the candle, but let's allow them to have, like they have in many hospitals, where they're not allowed to have open flames. They allow uh, the, the 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 people who are uh, patients in hospitals to have some sort of small electric light. Even uh, I believe halachically, I spoke with Rabbi Kolakowski about it last year. We talked about the idea of a battery 
according to some shitos, is, is, is even if it's not connected to a, in fact, it's better if it's not connected to the electric current, but a battery which sort of has the power within it, that could also really be in, a, a kiyam, at least be the evid. And I know that you, uh, from a conversation I had with you at an earlier time, I know that this is something that you feel you don't want to, uh, you don't want to show, you don't want to lose any ground on. You want to insist on the actual candle. Why? Yeah, well, number one, you are correct uh, that uh, we over here in Illinois in our uh, prison work have taken the position that it be candles specifically. Um, in fact, one year we were doing candles every year and the director at that time of the Cook County Jail, and I saw the memo, all of a sudden it said electric menorah. And I, what, what is going on? And I had to go again we had to go to our political allies um, that, that we knew, and we got it switched back to candles. Um, I, I, I think, um, you know, we, my position probably would come from my teacher and mentor, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, where I know that there's a story in the late uh, uh, 1970s, the Rebbe worked with Rabbi Hecht uh, to get um, candle menorahs into the prisons, and uh, it ended up being a whole story where um, he he started with 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 the um, pre- he 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 wanted Rabbi Hecht to get involved with the actually South African prison system, and he called him from America in the middle of the night, and he called the director. It was it's a whole long story, but it ended up that in both in South Africa and then in New York. Um, Rabbi Hecht said, look, even in South Africa, they're letting candles in. How could you not let the candles in? So I think, um, you know, there is nobody that argues that candles is the best way to do it. It's the best way to go. And uh, so therefore, once walls and, you know, uh, it's it's really, no, it's been proven not to be any security risk. And it happens year in and year out. And there's been not one prison riot or fire or damage that has ever been attributed to a candle from a Hanukkah menorah. They're, they're going on for decades and decades and many lightings and they're all peaceful and nice. There's no trouble with it. So why, why stop the candles? Yeah, I, look, we all know that there's only a limit to the political um, bank, right? How many times can you go to the well for a favor? I am just saying, we know that many of the lightings that Chabad does in the public areas they use an electric menorah and they make a bracha on that electric menorah as a, as a piercing. I've seen it. So even if it's not actual, what we would call actual fire, all I'm saying, Rabbi, is that sometimes you have to know where your battles are. And it, it, again, how many times can you get the, uh, the head chaplain? How many times can you get your legislators in? Uh, from where I'm, where I'm sitting here, I would say, look, if, if this is, if this is something that, we can get a rov to sign off on that some post can say this is a shas atchak. There are sheetas that even say lekatchila. To me, that would be a, a move that could help you in the future when maybe you want to get someone out or you want to try to mamish avatzolos nefoshos. That's just that's just my two cents here. Look, I, I, only time at going to the public menorah lightings where there's only an electric menorah, no bracha is is made. Usually a smaller regular menorah is brought to the event and the bracha is being made on the 
a regular candle menorah, like in a little case or something. It's a there's no there's no bracha made on on the electric menorahs. They're just there for the for for Shemunisa. No brachas are made. Oh, so in other words, even must have been a smaller menorah down that the bracha was being made on. Um, I guess I didn't see and, it. And guess what? I, I, I think what you mentioned about um, how many times can you go to the well, it, it just so happens, and I think it's really um, interesting that um, it's because of Hanukkah that I have political connections, not the other way around. Hanukkah is what has created the need to go to different, um, and, and since they got involved in Hanukkah, they then ended up being helpful on other areas as well. It started with Hanukkah, but then they had such admiration that where we just want to make sure and advocate it that the uh, men and the women light candles like everybody else, like they do at home. They respected that so much and they stood up for it. And then when we came with other things, they were, they, they, it, it opened up the politicians to help for even more. So on the contrary, not only has it, has it not burnt any bridges or have we gone to the wall too many times? It's Hanukkah usually is what opens up the door access to, to reach the politicians. And then they're there to help out with more serious things when it comes to clemencies or commutations of sentences or getting men out earlier. And it's the relationship was built through Hanukkah. So I've only seen uh, positive um, connections made and beneficial, um, very beneficial things come up. So uh, I don't see any reason to back back off, but I hear what you're saying. I do hear what you're saying. I'm me. This is the state of Illinois, and other people may not have those same uh, connections. But as far as I know, most shluchim, most chabad shluchim, who are doing the prison work, are working very hard to get real candles in and not uh, slip back to the to the electric uh, candle option. Well, well, you know where you're able to do that. There's more, obviously, to Hanukkah than that mitzvah. Uh, there's, do you also tell them, uh, give them ideas? And what would be like, a, if, you, if you would have someone who's in an, incar- an incarcerated group of people and you're able to get the, uh, the, the menorah there, they're able to, to see the lighting, clearly it stirs a lot of emotion and feeling memory of what it meant to be before they were in prison is there some sort of uh, other that goes along with it is there some other you know by the by the by the by the christians not only uh, you could have a christmas tree and they, there's songs that they sing do you obviously do you sing hanukkah nigunim uh, is there a is there a story that goes along with it as well what else what else happens when you uh, establish hanukkah in prison well number one As we end this podcast today, I am going to be jumping in my car and heading off to Cook County Jail, where my son has been there since the morning preparing. We we go in, not only do we light the candles, but we do tell stories and we do sing the gunam and we have a suda we're bringing them as well. So it's going to be a really annual uh, Hanukkah party has been established in Cook County. Now, the other state places, we only deliver the goods. But then the men, they gather for eight straight days. So in different places, they have DVDs they could watch of, of Jewish content uh, or music or, 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 the, or we bring the material where they, they have to do something for the half hour. 
They don't uh, just sit around and, um, you know, talk about nothing. So we bring the materials or eight nights straight, the men are able to discuss different topics, whether it's about Hanukkah or the Parsha of the week, but, but they have uh, materials that they go through because they need um, eight different half hour time periods to fill. So, so, so in other words, in some places, Hanukkah, because of its universal connection to being a Jew, they need to sort of on their own sort of create aspects, a stronger aspect of their Jewish identity, because they know they've been given this dispensation to, uh, to allow them. And that's incredible, Rabbi, that you believe even without you there, you, your belief in the power of what Hanukkah can reach, that it can actually inflame, develop the Pintalayid, or more than just the Pintalayid, into a real Madura that could actually in, in, encompass others and, and inspire others, even without you being there. That's, that's really having faith in, 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 the, in the Yiddish Neshama that Hanukkah is really symbolic of. So I think that, right. that is a, a wonderful idea. Yeah, well, what you what most prisons right now in the state of Illinois, I know the federal prison is a little better on this, but in the state of Illinois, we are still not successful in having them allowing the men to come out and doing their own service Friday night. They don't like inmate-led services. They don't like a service without an outside person there. But but somehow Hanukkah is even the authorities, they let the men come together for eight days. And it's like a real rare opportunity for them where they could really bond together with the yidden in the in the uh, in, in these places. They're able to sit together. It, it's really it's, it's, it's more than just lighting candles. It's really a rare opportunity. Hanukkah, they get I mean, Pesach, they get two nights. They get the two Sadarim, they come together. Rosh Hashanah, they get a day. Here, it's eight straight nights. There's no other holiday like it where they could get together so frequently and have so much time together. So it's really an incredible holiday uh, for, for you know, the incarcerated individuals, at least here in the state of Illinois. And, and, really- and that really has to do with what both of us know, that even though Al-Pihalacha Hanukkah is, 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 is an incredibly spiritual, idea-filled uh, but we know halakhically it doesn't have the strictures of Pesach and Rosh Hashanah, but because I think the Velt, the American Velt especially, relates Hanukkah to a prime Jewish holiday, like a number one status, that's probably one of the reasons, although it's not that way, but because that's the mindset that that the, the secular world has and that the authorities have, that probably is the reason why they have been they have been so liberal in this way because oh well it's it's, it's their Christmas quote unquote and therefore we wouldn't want to take that away we might as well as you said take advantage of that and and use it to the ultimate to somehow really spark an embassy Yiddish uh, heartsedik connection to the holiday so Rabbi yeah. I, I I know that you're off and I think you've definitely given us Ha'orais and Oirais to be able to work with you know, and individuals that you're ministering to, when they leave, they will be being able to continue to be madlik, their own neiros, and hopefully in a way that's constructive for all Klau Yisrael. I'll freilich and chanuk, everybody. Thank you, Rabbi Shimon. We shall see you, Mirz Hashem, next time. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app, 
so you don't miss a single episode. Thank you.